News Weekly is an ad-free, listener-supported podcast made possible by teammates like Amanda Finnis, Andrew Boucher, Anna Robinson, Benjamin Law, Ben Sheltis. Yes, I'm going through these alphabetically every episode, and hopefully you. Just go to patreon.com slash Shah to support the podcast and your name will be read out on this podcast eventually when I get to it in an alphabetical order. Top Stories of the Week Optus donates your personal data to poor hackers. Also, sexual harassment at the polls. And first Liz Truss killed the Queen. Now she's killing the British economy. Won't someone stop her before it's too late? All that and more on News Weekly. Hello, I'm Sammy Shah, and welcome to News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Somehow, Optus's billing system is still working fine. News now. Good news for Australians worried about their data being stolen by Chinese or Russian hackers. Those are now the least of your problems, especially if you were with Optus. Optus is an Australian telco provider, internet, sims for your phone, etc. And to set up an Optus account in Australia, all you have to do is provide them with multiple forms of ID, like your passport and driver's license, your email address, date of birth, basically everything short of skin and hair samples, saliva and a personalised nude painting. Luckily, all that information is probably safe. Right? The personal information of reportedly up to 9 million Optus customers has been compromised. More than 2 million of them have been significantly impacted. The theft includes passport, driver's licence numbers, emails and home addresses and dates of birth. Well, fuck. Okay, so it turns out Optus's approach to security wasn't that different from any telco's approach to customer support, basically pointing at your face and laughing, then pointing at its own genitals while making thrusting motions, all while maintaining unbroken eye contact. Still, how bad could it be? What could a motivated hacker do with all that info? The biggest scams are identity fraud. If the hacker has your driver's license details, your passport, your date of birth, he can create a virtual other you and use that fake persona to take out loans in your name. Ha! Chokes on you, hackers! My credit history is so bad, no one will ever give you a loan. In fact, if you try duplicating my identity, maybe you could pay off the rest of my wedding debt from that time I was briefly married for three weeks in 2019. Also, could you do the next few weeks of News Weekly? I really need a nap. Optus users, of course, panicked and have since been trying to contact Optus to find out what to do next. I've just told him I wanted to cancel the account and he advised me to contact to Google it. That was his advice. So, what exactly is Optus doing? Optus has denied reports human error was partly to blame. Because it wasn't partly to blame, it was entirely to blame. Still, here's Optus CEO Kelly Bayer Rosemarin accepting that blame in the only way a corporate CEO can. We have strong cybersecurity controls in place. We thwart thousands of attacks every year, every day. But it's a good warning to all organizations that even if you have strong cyber capabilities, dedicated focus and investment in this area, there are sophisticated actors out there. 
So this was a teachable moment, you see? Sure, all your data is now floating around on the dark web and someone's probably already gotten a mortgage in your name, currently running up your credit card debt and generally living the life you always wanted to but couldn't afford to. But at least Optus has been given this chance for introspection. Besides, it's not their fault, these were sophisticated hackers, right? Here's cybersecurity expert Justin Warren on ABC News Daily. Uh, look, sophisticated is a bit of a slippery word. Mm. Often companies would prefer that it's a sophisticated attack because that means that it's not a simple attack because that makes them look bad. Mm. Look, it might be sophisticated by the standards of a an Australian executive, but for a any technologist who has some fairly rudimentary programming skills, it's not sophisticated at all. So basically, this could have been done by anyone with a bachelor's degree in computer science or a working memory of the 1995 movie Hackers starring Matthew Lillard and Angelina Jolie. They're hackers. Hackers penetrate and ravage private and publicly owned computer systems. Hack the planet. Hack the planet! It's not just something they do. Sure, this sweet machine's not going to waste. Are you challenging me? It's who they are. I win. You wear a dress on our date. And if I win, so do you. That was the Citizen Kane of my generation. It wasn't long until Optus and the federal government called out the big guns, asking the FBI for help. After all, they're up against a cold, calculating, brutal code warrior riding the roads and byways of the information superhighway, slinging our data on the darkest corners of the digital world like a neuromancer from William Gibson's darkest imaginings. Bizarrely, yesterday, the hacker has apologised, deleted the post with the stolen data and withdrawn their ransom demand. What? He apologised? Withdrew the data? Okay, that's quite decent. I'm sure that's a decision that's being widely appreciated. The Optus hacker is now being relentlessly trolled by their peers after backflipping on their $1.5 million ransom demand. Among the comments posted in an online forum, don't be an amateur, can't fix stupid, can ya? They even mocked the hacker's choice of ransom cryptocurrency. By the way, Monero sucks. Okay, so now we have a hacker who's being trolled by other hackers for trying to do the right thing. This is less Mr. Robot and more Mr. Fuckwit. Still, if your data was taken and you got that cursed email from Optus telling you how bad they feel about the possible and complete impending destruction of your life, what can you do? Experts are urging affected people to firstly change passwords on their most secure accounts. Add in two-factor authentication, like a phone code or touch ID in addition to a password, and ask their telcos to add a further security pin on their phone account to prevent their number being stolen by someone else. One expert says if you aren't yet sure which documents have been compromised, don't race to replace them. So there you have it. And that's not all. Optus has also offered some actual help. We've just got a statement from Optus in the last minute. It says, we are now taking further steps to help reduce the risk of identity theft. Optus is offering the most affected current and former customers whose information was compromised because of the cyber attack the option to take up a 12-month subscription to Equifax Protect at no cost. Equifax is a credit monitoring and identity protection service that can help reduce the risk of identity theft. 
that's great of Optus. Giving people a 12 month free subscription to Equifax, a globally famous company that monitors credit histories and data security, what could go wrong? Credit rating agency Equifax has admitted it sent out incorrect scores for millions of Americans seeking loans, a mistake with major implications for victims. All right, so that was from this August. Still not that big a screw up. I'm sure Equifax can be trusted other than that one time. Oh, and also that other time in 2017, when hackers were able to get the credit records of 140 million Americans, Brits and Canadians from Equifax. In fact, here's Frank Abagnale, who was played by Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie Catch Me If You Can, explaining how Equifax got hacked in 2017 in an interview with YouTube channel Big Think. Here is a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, they didn't update their software. Uh, they didn't fix their patches that Microsoft said to them and said, install these security patches. Uh, their chief information security officer had her degree in music. She really didn't know anything about keeping information safe. And consequently, hackers got in. After that hack, Equifax had to pay a fine of more than half a billion dollars in America, which I'm sure has left them with lots of money to upgrade their security systems that Optus now wants you to share all your data with. You know, I'm starting to think my info may be safer with the hacker. Isn't that right, Mr. Hacker? That is right, Sammy. Put some men on ice news now. Sexual harassment in the workplace has been a continual issue for women in Australia, so one cannot blame them for wanting to move as far away from civilization as possible. Just becoming a scientist and moving to the... I'm moving to the Antarctic, where you need to wear multiple layers of clothing just to exist. I mean, surely that'll mean no more sexual harassment, right? And what is an Australian workplace in these remote stations in Antarctica? There was an external review that's been conducted into what's happening here. And, and its summary is pretty distressing reading, to be honest with you. Really? In Antarctica? Women can't catch a fucking break in Antarctica? How bad is it? Women described a predatory and widespread culture of sexual harassment, including uninvited physical contact or gestures, unwelcome requests for sex, sexual comments, jokes or innuendo, intrusive questions, displays of offensive or pornographic material, and sex-based insults and taunts. Good lord. Is, is that all of it? Homophobia was also reported. So basically, we have bro culture in Antarctic scientists as well. Were they all listening to Andrew Tate interviews while trying to get penguins to accept their alpha maildom? It's so bad that even Environmental Minister Tanya Plibersek was lost for words. I, you know, I, I really did think we had eradicated this sort of thing from Australian workplaces decades ago. It's not acceptable. I mean, decades is a lot to ask for when there were men wanking on desks in Parliament just last year. The report details how women in the male-dominated field of Antarctic research have been afraid to speak out because of how isolated the work is and how they'll be stuck with their abusers in some cases for up to a year, and how they even struggle to access menstrual products and hide their periods for fear they won't be allowed to work. Now that the report is out, however, something can be done. Here's Kim Ellis, director of the Australian Antarctic Division. I'm deeply disappointed and I have to say there, there's a level of, you know, embarrassment and discomfort. Yeah, pretty sure that was always there. 
just not in the men. If things get any worse, King Arthur's gonna have to come back. News now. It's been a hard few days for the British, who first had to deal with the end of Boris Johnson's time as Prime Minister, then the appointment of Liz Truss as the new Prime Minister, and finally, of course, the death of the Queen. Well, now that the Queen is buried, everyone who queued up to watch has gone home, including the army of journalists Australia released on the unsuspecting British public, and things can finally go back to normal. Now, the British pound has fallen to its lowest level ever against the US dollar. It all began when Liz Truss's new chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, announced a new mini-budget that offered sweeping tax cuts to the rich because apparently you can have a PhD in economic history from the University of Cambridge, but you can also still believe in fantasy bullshit like trickle-down economics. It's like being a molecular biologist who also blames night goblins for breathing diseases into our mouths while we sleep. Take a step back first of all and ask the question, who is this going to benefit the most? Well, you can probably see the pattern here. Look, it is the richest 5% who benefit disproportionately and in large part because of that yellow slug there. That yellow bit is the additional rate of tax, 45%. That's gone and so that money goes into their pockets. The rich just got considerably richer. So the rich get significantly richer as per the promises made to wealthy donors by Liz Truss when she was competing to become the next prime minister. Which, of course, raises that question, which is always the first thing we ask when someone says we need better schools, hospitals, or care for the homeless, but rarely ever gets asked when we're discounting the lifestyles of the rich and wealthy. Who's paying for this? Kwasi Kwarteng announced the biggest tax-cutting package since 1972, funded by borrowing at a time of high inflation. Put together the government's tax cuts and someone on £20,000 a year salary will gain £157. Someone earning £200,000 a year will gain 5220 Someone on a million a year will be £55,000 better off. That isn't trickle-down economics. That's gushing upwards in reverse like being while doing a handstand economics. Kwarteng has justified his decision, making it clear it's part of a wider strategy of destroying the UK as quickly and efficiently as possible. For too long in this country, we've indulged in a fight over redistribution. Yeah. Now we need to focus on growth, not just how we tax and spend. We won't apologise for managing the economy in a way that increases prosperity and living standards. Our entire focus is on making Britain more globally competitive, not losing out to our competitors abroad. Make Britain more globally competitive is the new Make America Great Again, and exactly as effective as that slogan was. Apparently, the path to being globally competitive involves a pound plummeting to its lowest level in history, a rapid sell-off of government bonds and mortgage rates shooting higher. It's like saying you're finally going to stop eating unhealthy food by stapling your mouth shut, cutting out your stomach without using an anaesthetic, and then shoving a carrot up your butt. Technically, there's something healthy inside your body, at least for a little while. Still, Prime Minister Liz Truss isn't shying away from justifying her plan to give rich people so much money they'll run out of space in their pockets to stuff bills into, and then those bills will fall out of those pockets when those rich people go for their daily walks, and then poor people can pick up all the money raining from those pockets, and that will stimulate the economy. 
I think that's the plan. Anyway, she decided to spread confidence about her leadership by going on a media blitz on all the BBC local radio stations, which the Prime Minister rarely ever appears on. And so she probably expected to have an easy time. Here she is being interviewed on BBC Radio Kent. I'm going to just blaze on into the questions. Lots from my listeners this morning. Carrie in Birchington says... What on earth were you thinking? The country was already in a state of recession. Another says, how can we ever trust the Conservatives with our economy again? And Lydia says, are you ashamed of what you've done, are you? And that was just the start. She spoke to eight local radio stations, each interview only five minutes long, and each one going about the same. Here's BBC Radio Leeds. Since Friday, since your Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng's mini-budget, the pound has dropped to a record low, the IMF has said that you should reevaluate your policies and the Bank of England has had to spend 65 billion pounds to prop up the markets because of what they describe as a material risk. Where have you been? BBC Radio Bristol. No one can deny you enter Downing Street with a difficult job on your hands, but you've made the situation worse so far, haven't you? And it just goes on and on like that. Every station has the same experience. Hard-hitting question, followed by long, awkward pause, followed by rambling justification as Liz Truss tries to run out the clock on her five minutes. Still, at least for Liz Truss, the worst of it is now over. The budget is announced, the markets have reacted, and she can finally settle into her job as Prime Minister and look at the days ahead. Well, Tory MPs are already considering putting in letters for another leadership challenge against the new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, only weeks into her premiership. That would mean, in effect, no government for yet another chunk of the autumn. Boris Johnson's totally going to come back again, isn't he? That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. Please don't forget to support the podcast by heading over to iTunes and leaving a five-star review and rating for the podcast right there. That's News Weekly, that's W-E-A-K-L-Y over on iTunes. You can also head over to audible.com.au slash The Mist, that's M-I-S-S-E-D, and listen to my audio drama that I wrote for Audible, wrote and produced. It is a full-cast production crime noir story set in a small town in Western Australia, Something bad happens and the town has to deal with the repercussions. It's got a 4.5 out of 5 star rating review right now on Audible's website and is available in Audible UK as well as Audible Australia and Audible US. So that's called The Mist. That's M-I-S-S-E-D. Head over to Audible and find that and leave a review and rating for that as well if you do enjoy it. Otherwise, I'll see you right back here on News Weekly next week where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Weekly.